Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. I want us to start talking about something. Have you ever watched, um, what was the Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, some of those some of those things where there was a treasure that was lost and they're trying to find it because that treasure could have great impact. Um, and, and I've been thinking about it. I think there is a treasure that has been lost that we need to find again. And so I'm going to start talking about it today. I don't know how long, you know, you know how that goes. It could, be to, it could be just today. It could be for the next five weeks. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see what happens. But there's a treasure that we need to regain, that we need to find again. And that treasure is love. I was hesitant about saying it this early yet because... For some of you, you'll hear me say that, and it could be your natural reaction to say, oh, it's nothing on those love sermons, so we don't have to listen to it. And so you'll just sit there and fiddle with your phone and text and look at Facebook and pick your nose. I don't know what you, what you might do. And you say, bud, nobody picks their nose. Look at the bottom of the seats occasionally. You will find... I don't even know where that came from. That must, have been, that must have been prophetic for somebody here. I think it was a word of knowledge. God saying, I've, I saw you and stop it. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I just don't know. Don't know where that came from. When we study about the kingdom of God, there, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, when John talked about the kingdom, when Jesus sent his disciples out to talk about the kingdom of God, there's a way the kingdom operates, and the kingdom operates by love. And the reason for that is God is love. God doesn't just love. God is love. Jesus is love. And the kingdom of God operates in that realm. And for some reason, we have found this need to apologize for it in our society today because Many times when you hear the conversation about love, you hear it like this. You, you can hear it taught on. You can hear it preached on. You can hear conversations. I know we're supposed to love, but. And anytime you put a but in there, then you've just missed the entire message of Jesus. It's not a matter of, I know we're supposed to love, but. We're supposed to love, period. And that's the message of Jesus. Now, you may have to find out what that love looks like and what that love means, but there is no but about it. We are supposed to love. I want us to kind of go on a little bit of a, little bit of a journey and, and see what, what that looks like. And so I want you to just kind of track with me. Um, I'm going to lay a foundation today for the message, and then, and then we'll continue on. But I hope you walk away with something today that will be helpful. So look with me. Turn with me to the book of uh, Luke chapter 3, to the book of Luke chapter 3. I think I 
I think in some ways, these days that we're living in, though as horrible as they are, can be a beautiful opportunity for a reset for the church. To get us back what we were supposed to be. Jesus turned loose on this earth a people filled with the Holy Spirit, gave us his word, and said, go change the world. His first commission to his disciples as they sat there and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen and when, when is the Lord coming? And, and, and Jesus says, that's not what I want you to be considering. And I hear so much of that today. Is the Lord coming? Are we in the last days? Yes, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Is anybody tracking with me? So yes, we're in the last days. And are we in the laster of the last days? Yes, we're in the laster of the last days. Are we in the laster of the last of the last days? I don't know if we're in the laster of the laster of the last days, but I do know that we're in the laster of the last days. Nobody knows when the Lord is going to come. And so the disciples are saying, when are you going to come? This is as Jesus is getting ready to ascend. And Jesus said, that's not what I want you to be thinking about. What I want you to be thinking about is this. I want you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to come up on you and he's going to give you power. He's going to give you power to be my witnesses. Not give you power to accumulate and do all the things you want to do in this world and this earth and make this earth your forever home right now. No, he's going to give you power to take the gospel message to the world, give you power to be the light of the world. Does that make sense? And so the message from Jesus is to go and be that light. And when you think about what we have done over the years, I can take a light and put it inside of you. Take a light and put it inside of you. The presence of the Lord in you. How many of you know that our Lord is very compassionate and loving? He can't, he can't be anything else, right? When you read the scriptures, you read over and over again, the Lord was moved with compassion. Jesus spend some time with some people teaching them and they're following him and he finds them hungry and Jesus says, I, I, I have compassion on these people. We need to feed them. Jesus was compassion, the very essence of compassion, the very essence of love. That's who he was. And so what he does is puts him, he puts himself inside of us and says, now go be me to this world. But what we did was we compartmentalized the Holy Spirit. And we made it all about what happens on a Sunday morning at church. We first decided, we changed somewhere along the way, we changed the church from a people to a building. Make sense? So what Jesus sent out into this world was a church without a building. We bought, we bought buildings and made the building the church, and we just go and attend it occasionally, religiously. And that was never Jesus' intention. And so then, the Lord starts to put in our heart compassion and love, and, and so he says, 
You know, you, how many of you have ever been moved upon, don't raise your hand on this, but you've been moved upon as just a, like a desire to feed hungry people. You just, your heart is broken for hungry people. And maybe you, you just have a brokenness for people with addictions. But here's what we did as a church. We, rather than let the light just shine out there and us be who we're supposed to be and love and have compassion individually for individuals, we decided that since the building is a church, then we have to do whatever we do as a ministry of the church. So I have a, I have a, a great desire to see hungry people fed, so what do I do? Well, what Jesus meant for me to do was take what he put in me and, and go out there and feed somebody that's hungry. That's pretty simple. But we complicated it because now you have to have a ministry for it or it doesn't count. So we go to the pastor and we say, I have a burden for hungry people. I would like to start a hungry people ministry. I want to feed the hungry. We need a ministry to feed the hungry. You are the ministry. If he told you to do it, you are the ministry. You don't have, we don't have to have a, a program in the church to be who we've been called to be. But here's how the enemy, I think, has just deluded, and I think it's why we need a reset. We think we have to have a ministry for everything. We need a clothes closet to, to take clothes. Well, just go in your closet and get some clothes and say, God, show me who needs some clothes and take them to them. See, what we do is we, we start ministries. And so we go to the pastor, we say, I feel, I feel a burden for this, and I think we ought to start a ministry. What that means is, pastor, I feel a burden, so I want, what I want you to do is take care of my burden for me. What do you mean? Well, pastor, I want you to start a ministry in the church so that I can come to two meetings and then never show up again and leave you holding the bag, leading the ministry. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, Bud sounds angry, that must have happened in the church. It's never happened at Harvest, because let me tell you the way we do it at Harvest. You come to me and tell me that you have a burden for ministry, I'm going to say congratulations. Go, go out there and do your thing. It's like we used to have people come here and say, I want to be in the choir. Awesome, right there it is. No, but I want to be in the choir on the stage. No, 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 no. Our choir is out here. Every one of you are in the choir. But no, I want to be up there where people can see me. No, no, no. That's not what we do. You go back there and sit and you just sing your loving heart out for Jesus because that's where the choir is at. See, then what happens is, <laughs> oh, I'm going to ramble on. I already feel it happening. So then what happens is, you start this, you, you come and you say, I need to start this ministry. And so if we were to say, okay, go ahead and do that. Get some people around you. So you have this, this desire and this burden for something and you go to do it. And then you can't find anybody that wants to help you because they don't have the same burden that you have. Now, what are you doing? You're getting angry at everybody else for not getting on board with your thing. Is this making sense to anybody? And so now what happens? Nobody in the church is spiritual but you. 
You're the only spiritual person. I wanted to start a prayer meeting. Why? Because I had a burden to pray. So I started a prayer meeting on, on Monday nights, but nobody came. So now nobody in the church is spiritual but me, and nobody loves the Lord. <laughs> nobody loves the Lord but me. When really what the Lord said was, I want you to pray. But now you have this desire to pray, but you have to have a meeting out of it. It's got to become a ministry. You have a desire to feed people, but it has to become a ministry. Do you see what I'm saying? We have put ministry, we've wrapped chains around the very light that Jesus put down inside of each one of us to show compassion to this world, to walk out what he called us to be, but we put chains around it and we put it in a box and we stuck it in this thing called ministry and now we only do it if it's a part of a ministry of a church rather than going out there oh, oh uh, feed I, I don't feed the hungry because I'm not a part of that ministry if God puts that on your heart you go out there and you feed someone does this make sense to anybody we've, we've just really royally messed up the intentions of Jesus for the body of Christ for his church and how to operate and reach people for the kingdom of God and, and I think it was a simple thing. And I think in some fashion, we're somewhat self-ish. Some fashion, I think we're somewhat self-ish. And the reason I separated those so far is because if you tell somebody they're selfish, what do we, we just get ticked off. But I'm thinking if I separate it and say it's separate, it, it goes over better. <laughs> no? <laughs> Bob's still the same? Still feels the same, huh? Okay. Ah, look with me. I got to read it. Let's, let's just read this thing. I could, I could do this all day. Chapter 3 of Luke. We're going to start reading in verse 7. John the Baptist has come on the scene. He's the, the one that's opening the pathway to Jesus. God has been silent for 400 years. No revelation. Now John shows up on the scene. What, and and they, didn't, they continued to keep the law. They continued to look back at Genesis through Malachi. They continued to look backwards and keep that. But that's all they had. And now John steps on the scene and says things are about to change. And so he starts to preach a message about the kingdom of God and the one who was to come, who would be the Messiah, who was Jesus, and he's preparing the way for the Lord. And so he begins to preach about repentance 
for the for for forgiveness of sins repentance repentance means it does not mean to come and lay on an altar and bawl your eyes out for an hour and then go back outside after it repentance means that we change our mind and we begin to agree with God and we start to walk his way does that make sense that's repentance and so He's saying, want you to repent. When we repent and we think differently, there should be something that shows with that outwardly. And so here's what John the Baptist is saying. John, verse 7, said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. That would clear the, that would clear the crowd pretty fast nowadays, wouldn't it? Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So what did he say? He's, he's saying if where there is real repentance, there should be fruit. If you say you change your mind and you say that you agree with God, then in your agreement with God, there should be some action that comes from that. That is fruit. There should be something that comes out of this agreement that you have just made with the Lord, and that is fruit. And he says, there should be fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not uh, begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, here's where I want us to land just for a minute. John the Baptist stands between the Old Testament and the new that's coming. He's, he's, he's the bridge between Genesis through Malachi. And what we will know as the Gospels and, and continue on with the epistles. So he's standing in the middle. And he's, he's saying, there's the old. The new is coming. I'm going to give you just a little bit of glimpse of the new. Jesus is the new. There's a whole lot more to know. You all don't know it yet. See, we know it. That's what messes us up sometimes because we already know all this and we get numb to it. But the people in John's day didn't know that. They just met Jesus. Some of them just met him when he was baptized. So they didn't know all that was, was coming down the pike, but they did know that all that was in the past. But they know there's a change coming. So John begins to preach. And in this message, he makes it so, the heart of God so plain. And I want us to pick up just a little bit on this. Uh, um, the crowd, verse 10, asks, what should we do then? What should we do? So they're saying, tell us, we want fruit from repentance. Tell us what it looks like. And John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. John didn't say, go start a ministry. Right? He didn't say, go start a ministry. He said, for any one individual, anyone who has two shirts, he should share with the other one. Here's what I want you to get today before we leave. I want you to see the focus of Jesus. 
It starts out with John here, and Jesus is going to carry this on, and it's about how we treat other people. It's all about how we treat other people. That's the message that John is giving here. It's how we treat other people. Did you see that? John didn't say the, the fruit of repentance. What do we say today? Fruit of repentance. Um, then what should we do then? What, we, what do we say? You need to go home and you need to read your Bible for several hours a week. You need to pray and you need to talk to God. You need to love God and you need, you need to go to church. But, but, but see, it's so funny that John brings it down to a vertical, the fruit down to a, a, a horizontal, from vertical to horizontal, and he's saying that if there is anything going on vertically, you're going to see it horizontally. Does this make sense? If you got anything going on with him, it's going to show here. And, and we are so concerned all the time about loving God, loving God, loving God, and we ought to love God. But you know that Jesus spent way more time teaching us how to treat other people than he ever did how to treat God. Because the fact is, John said this in 1 John, if you know him, then we'll love this way. But if you don't love this way, John said, you don't even know him. Pretty stout, right? Pretty stout words. So he says, what is the fruit of repentance? He said, it's how you treat. Just in other words, if you have, if you have two shirts, give somebody one. If you have extra food, give somebody. What's he saying? Treat other people right. You tracking with me so far? Say amen if you are, because I, I need, yeah, thank you. I'm working awful hard up here. I do need your help. Um, then he said in verse 12, even the tax collectors came to be baptized. I love that. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? So what, is, what does he say? Well, don't collect any more than you're required to. Simple. Was that simple? A simple answer? What do I need to do in keeping fruit of repentance? Don't keep any more than you're supposed to. Treat other people right. Is anybody seeing this? Treat other people right. It's so simple. This, this is the message. They carried over 600 different laws and traditions from the Old Testament, and John is saying... Here's what I want you guys to know. You've not been getting it right all this time. It's as simple as this. Treat other people right. Just treat them right. God had the opportunity right here in this, in, in the bridge, to give us all kinds of theology. To give us all kinds of beautiful, wonderful doctrines. To give us the foundations. What did he say? I just want you to treat people right. Because God is love. And he knew the tendencies because of what they did. The crowds had the tendency to hoard up and not help anybody else. The, the, fair, the, the tax collectors had a tendency to collect way more than they needed. And then some soldiers asked him, verse 14, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. 
Be content with your pay. Don't extort money. If you're in a position of authority, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. What is he saying? Just go out there and be a good soldier and treat people right. I know this is so theologically astounding that you're sitting here thinking, how in the world does Bud come up with that stuff? I mean, <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. He must be brilliant. Oh, he's depending on Bobby. How simple can it get? Jesus starts off before he even kicks his ministry off by bringing John in and saying, John, I want you to introduce my ministry, and I want you to tell people why I'm here. I want you to let them know what's about ready to happen, and so just let them know I, if, if they're going to have fruit of repentance, it's going to show up in treating people right. And how much of the church world today is so egotistical, so prideful, so mean. I mean, church people can be some of the meanest, cantankerous, grouchy, honorary, holier-than-thou people that you've ever seen. Am I, am I right about that, or am I just feeling something? <laughs> Maybe I'm just like... And Jesus said, that's not what I want. Ah, look with me. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But we're going to do what they say can't be done. Well, look with me at Matthew. Matthew chapter, let me see, 9. Look with me at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is um, Jesus. This is Jesus here, and he's going to give us a picture of of his heart and what he desires. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and he followed him. Now listen to this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with them and his disciples. So Matthew goes to throw a party. Man, I just became a follower of Jesus. And we're going to have a party because I want everybody to know it. Every sinner in town, every tax collector in town gathered around for this thing. And it is ticking off the religious people. He said, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, they asked the disciples, but Jesus answered. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now listen. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
Who does he desire mercy for? Does he need it? So what he's saying is you've been sacrificing to me, but what I want you to do is have mercy to them. Ain't nobody getting this the way I got it, are you? Is anybody getting this at all? It's going to have to sink in. I, I, I guess it'll just have to sink in and, and ponder and think on it. But it hit me like a brick through all this. And I've always, you know how I preach, I preach grace, I preach love, I preach all this stuff. But I, but I see even greater that Jesus is saying, you all spend all your time talking about the things you need to do to love me. But what I want you to do is love other people. And he's not saying don't love him. That's the first greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. But then, and then love your neighbors yourself, such as second one. But just like that one, love your neighbor as yourself. So he does say that, but he also says that to love your neighbors yourself is just like the other one. And you don't know if you're doing the first one until the second one comes along. Because if we're not doing the second one, the first one is just lip service. Because you can't really have a relationship with God without the very essence of who he is being in you and flowing out of you. It's impossible. And so if we're filled with him who is love, then love has to come out, right? And so if something besides love is coming out, there's a problem. Now, oh. when, when the teachers of the law look back into the Old Testament, they saw something went wrong. Because they didn't see people. And they didn't see the heart of God. They saw the law. And if you take the law and you remove the heart of God and you remove people, you get a picture of the heart of God that is, is nothing like the true heart of God. See, they were keeping every ritual. Going to church every Sunday. Go to Sunday school. Do whatever we do. And I know, of course, 2020 has just blown all that stuff out of the water, but it's the things that we do for ritual. And he's saying, listen, I don't need your ritual. I don't need your sacrifice. I don't even desire your sacrifice. What I desire is for you to show mercy to them it's a, a a horizontal thing if you want to have relationship vertically then show mercy to the people on the horizontal and it's so easy man so easy to run out of time on sunday morning okay let me uh i'm, I'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to wind this up in in um, 10 minutes matthew chapter 7 and this has been building to this golden text. And this is where we're going to land for just, just a minute. Verse 7, ask, and it will be given you, Jesus said. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, as mere humans, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now listen to this. Listen to this. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up Genesis through Malachi. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He, it's amazing that Jesus said, you know all those words, all this right here, all those words from Genesis to Malachi? He said, I can sum it all up for you in a couple things. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do to others the way you want done to you. What is that called? The golden rule. And how many of us remember the, that we used to hear that taught? I remember as a boy, was not raised up in church. Didn't know all the church stuff. But there was one thing that I always heard in my home, and that was the golden rule. And my mom, especially over and over, would just say, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And Jesus is saying, do you want to know my heart? All these sacrifices you're doing, all these things that you're doing to try to get close to me, all these laws that you're keeping, and some of them are breaking, or, or, or some of your traditions are hurting people, and you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you closer to me, what I want you to know is what I long for in my people, what I long for because my kingdom is made of love, my kingdom is made of this, what I long for is not your sacrifices. I long for you to show mercy to your fellow man. I long for you to treat other people the way you want to be treated. And, and we're aware of that. Think about this. How many of you have been cut off? And how many of you have, have, had some, have, have cut somebody off in traffic when, when you didn't mean to? And you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. And they're over there going, I won't. You know what I'm saying. I'm not going to do it. But we all know what they're doing over there, right? And, and we're saying, sorry. What are we asking for them? Oh, give me mercy. Is that not what we hear? Are we not saying, give me mercy? But then, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, we find words that we didn't even know were in our vocabulary. I thought that was gone. I thought Jesus took that one out, but then it came right back again. What are we doing? Not giving mercy. We desire it, but we just tend to not give it. And if you think about all the, I walked into the office the other day, and I don't know why I'm going down this path. Chris, I, she's already getting nervous, I'm sure, if she's listening to me. 
But I walked into the office the other day, and, and this is just, guys, this is just real stuff, okay? I walked into the office the other day, and somebody had a blowout in the men's restroom. <laughs> Can I say that? The problem is, I walked in to the men's restroom and saw that somebody else had a blowout. I should not be walking into a restroom and finding somebody else's blowout. Because whoever blew out should have cleaned up their mess. Am I right about that? There's a blooming toilet brush laying there. Right beside of the toilet, there's a toilet brush. In the shelf in front of the toilet, there is toilet cleaner. There are paper towels here. You blew it out. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's all I'm saying. Pick up the cleaner. Because I had to do it. I had to do it. You know why? Because I'm treating the next guy the way I want to be treated. I could walk out of there and say, ain't my problem somebody blew it out and didn't clean up their mess. Not my deal. But see, I have to think about the people that are going to follow me. So I got the cleaner. Y'all can tell I'm still bitter about this, can't you? So I sprayed down everything, got the paper towel, wiped it all, cleaned everything up, took the brush, got everything good. It looked really good. It looked really good. I'm sure the person that came after me looked at that and said, man, this is a clean bathroom in here. What am I saying? There are times that we just feel like that, that all we get is people's crap. Am I right? And when you feel like that, the tendency is to just give everybody else crap. Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so trying to get away from this and I'm not even sure what to do. I think Jesus said, Said it best, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. If you want to know the heart of God, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Little things, the way you love at home. Treat your wife the way you want to be treated. Treat your children the way you want to be treated. Go to work, treat your boss the way you want to be treated. Say, bud, they don't deserve it. Jesus didn't put that in there. He didn't say, treat other people the way you want to be treated if they treat you well. Anybody can do that. Jesus is saying, my kingdom people are different. I've put my light and my power down inside of them. 
And I think like a daddy, Jesus stands back and he wants to say to this world, I'm going to turn my kids loose on you. And here's what you are going to see amazing coming out of them because they are going to love in a way that is not humanly possible. But because I live in them and I work through them and I am their light and I am love in them, they're going to release that on you world. Watch out. My kids are coming. They're going to change the world I think that's what he's looking for he wants us to go change the world but we don't change it by being mean and angry and cantankerous and pointing fingers and making demands we change it by loving other people and simply treating other people the way we want to be treated we don't, leave, we don't need a ministry to live it out do we? We just need to live it out. What's he put in your heart? Just go do it. You don't have to have 12 other people. Just go do it. Because this is a you and him thing. And in the process of time, if he wants you gathered with some people, then he'll put some other people around you that have the same desire. You'll have a conversation. You're going to say something. Oh, yeah, I love that. I would love to do that. Well, I'm going to do it next Saturday. You want to go do it with me? And then it's done out of love. And nobody's getting mad because everybody else doesn't have the same burden and desire. Does this make sense? Let's go treat, treat people the way we want to be treated this week. I think the reset on this, and I'm, I'm through. I think the reset that we could get during this season of, of COVID craziness is... Oh, I can't go to church to have the ministry that I want now. For, don't worry about it. Jesus is setting it straight. Go, when you go to work tomorrow, treat them the way you want to be treated. When you go to school, treat them the way you want to be treated. When you go home, treat them the way you want to be treated. I think Jesus is taking us back to the basics. I think he's saying, y'all have gotten all this so bogged down with all these different rules and all these different things. And, and so what I want you to do is just reset the way you think. I want you to go home and I want you to treat your husband the way you want him to treat you. I want you to treat your wife the way, the way you want her to treat you. I want you to treat your boss the way you want him to treat you. No matter what they do, no matter how they treat you, you just keep on treating them. And in time, you start to see a change how many of you believe that how many of you believe that the power of Jesus love flowing through his kids can change this world Lord we give you praise we want your light to so shine through us that others may see and glorify our father in Jesus name let's stand and sing Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.